I'm going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour workweek with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Coaches, if you're listening to this in real time, it is back to school season, and that's what we're talking about all month long. I love back to school. I can remember the days of working at school when all the teachers were still at home, preparing professional development so lovingly and setting up my coaching space to be purposeful and inviting to teachers. It's a special time where all of your big plans and goals haven't had a chance to go awry quite yet. I wanted to continue this crazy but exciting month with a special topic, transformational coaching. I'm really looking forward to this chat with Becca Silver, the whole educator, in episode 115, Transformational Coaching with Becca Silver. Welcome, Becca, to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you could be here today. Uh, Could you introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe talk a little bit about who you are, how you ended up here, and what kind of work you focus on? Yeah, sure. So I am Becca Silver. I am the CEO and founder of The Whole Educator. And um, what I do with The Whole Educator is we coach and train coaches in transformational coaching. Um, And what that looks like is uh, we specifically focus on utilizing teachers' mindsets and motivations to make really big impact on their effectiveness and resilience. So would you consider that the definition of transformational coaching using those mindsets? Uh, it, it, well, it's definitely, it's definitely part of it. Um, the way that I define transformational coaching or generally transformational learning is that uh, we are looking at how do you know what you know? So this is when we critically think about our assumptions and expectations. And uh, we deeply look at how we interpret everything in our lives including our profession. I love it. So how did you end up doing this work? Oh gosh, that's a great question. So um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when I, I was a teacher for 10 years mm-hmm. and then I became a coach at a school and at the same time I became a life coach. And when I was learning those skills and it was uh, life coaching skills or transformational coaching and so I, at this, so I was learning, you know, it's kind of, you know, first, first year being a coach, right? Mm-hmm. And then these, and so I started to see some crossover skills that were really helpful. 
And, um, and then I, and then I started doing work with businesses too. And it's just kind of woven into how can I, and I created a curriculum, like how can I get work that actually empowers coaches to impact teachers, mindsets and motivations in addition to their knowledge and skills. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that. I, the, the crossover that you're describing seems so powerful to be able yeah. to impact the way people think about things in their daily life. And then that impacts your teaching as well. Yeah. And one of the things that I notice is like excellent teachers generally get promoted to coach, you know, it's like, oh, you did great teaching children. Right. And so right. coaches, I can count on my coaches to be excellent content knowledge holders. <laughs> so they are right. So they, they're, they're experts in that, that way. And so, and, and the model is, right, we get promoted to coach and then it's like, go spread your goodness, right? You are great with children, go spread your goodness to other adults. And many times coaches are given little to no adult learning theory, little to no, um, like, you know, idea of like, how do we actually work with adults that have different needs right and that in addition to mindsets and it's interesting one of the things that's in the conversation of working with children is growth mindset and in my in my experience honestly in schools growth mindset is can be pretty surface level but it is never talked about with adults mm-hmm. right like huh like do the teachers at our school operate with the right. growth mindset? and the right? coaches when working with the teachers Yes, exactly. Right. Do co- yes. do, and there's a bunch of coaches that I work with that operate under a fixed mindset. So I have to, you know, we kind of have to like start undo it when I work with principals. There's some principals that operate under a fixed mindset. So I'm doing that right from the top down because mm-hmm. we can't really impact children's mindsets, right? Until we can have the adults operating in a way that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of these um, mindsets that you've seen that are problematic. If you could, I would love to hear a little bit more about that or some of the maybe fixed mindset that you've seen or some of the limitations or limiting beliefs that you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll share, yeah, I'll share some kind of common problematic ones and then I'll share some human ones that are like human, you know, common across human beings. So, um, a really common one, um, is perfectionism. So perfectionism isn't the mindset itself, but there can be mindsets that um, that perfectionism um, gets triggered by. So it's something like, I got to get it right. That's a mindset, right? The need to do it perfectly and get it right. Um, and so, and that translates into a need to be in control and a need to, you know, and, and there's, there's a, a bunch of other behaviors that come from it. But um, so perfectionism, I see that all the time. Uh, another mindset that gets in the way is need, needing to be liked. I need to be liked. Um, and another mindset. So, so then I'm going to go into like human beings. All human beings have a version of I'm not good enough. Everyone does. I can count on when I'm talking to everyone, when I'm doing keynote, when I'm, when I'm you know, in a conference session, everyone I look at, I'm like, I know all of you guys are, have some form of I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not uh, successful enough, right? And so we have all these mindsets that build off of the not being good enough and it impacts our behavior. Um, And a great example of that, I was working with some coaches recently and um, I gave one of them a compliment. I said, you are so sharp. I was like, it's like unbelievable. I love working with you. And he deflected. 
I don't remember exactly what he said, but he deflected. And, and I said, hold on. I was like, what you need to say is thank you. <laughs> let's, let's start with that. Say thank you. So I got him to say thank you. And I saw he struggled with it. And, and we didn't, honestly, we didn't go deep into like what his mindset was, but I know um, there's a mindset that had him deflect my compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we all do that in some way, like you're saying in some way or another, that, that perfectionism and the need to control, that's absolutely my issue. Um, even like day-to-day life, you know, I mean, just, you know, getting through the day, not making mistakes is important. Like not doing things the wrong way. is very important yeah. to me. And so I have to really, it's something I've realized as I've gotten older, how important that is to me and how unhelpful it is <laughs> in like literally everything in, in work and parenting and just, you know, life it's not helpful to feel that. And to, that drives so many of your thoughts throughout the day. And so many, oh, I should have done that. I know, I know I'm not doing great when I start to do the shoulds. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have done this. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's hugely mm-hmm. problematic and it's like foundational to everything. Yeah. Yeah. The shoulds, the shoulds is a great, and for everyone listening, if you hear yourself saying shoulds or you hear other, someone else, you should be like a little red flag, like, ah, something's up here. The mm-hmm. should actually doesn't live in the present. It lives in the past. I should have done that yesterday, right? Or the future. It can never, ever, ever live in the present. And I like to say you're shitting everywhere and making a mess. <laughs> yes, I, I've I've done that lots of made lots of should messes everywhere. <laughs> so this sounds like in order to really get at the heart of what people are struggling with or what's keeping them from really achieving, you know, their their potential or what they could be you would have to have some really strong relationships with teachers. So how do you develop relationships purposely to be able to coach teachers like this? Yeah, there's so many, I don't want to say strategies, but there's so many ways that I I develop um, relationships. You know, sometimes it's like having things in common, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and it's, and it's, um, I try to feel out like, do they like jokes? Are they a jokey person? (laughs) Um, I try to get to the point where it feels like I, I can give them a hard time. If I can get there, we're, we're good to go. Um, you know, and then, and then there's actual like strategies. So one of the strategies I use is reflective listening. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, it's reflective listening is basically when people speak to you, you reflect back what they're saying. You're actually repeating back what they're saying, not my interpretation of it. I'm taking my interpretation out. I'm just like, you said X and I'm repeating back X to you. And it's really powerful and it does something to our brain and it makes us, first of all, it calms our brain. Mm-hmm. We're like stress. Sometimes it's stressful uh, meeting for, for people to meet new people. I yeah. love it. I'm like, I like, think it's great. <laughs> I could live but, without. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of people can. It's stressful yeah. for them. It is. Here you are, you're meeting a new person. And how, how can I calm someone's brain, right? If it seems stressful for them. So reflective listening a lot. And I'll say things like what I heard you say was, mm-hmm. um, or I'm just like, yeah. And I repeat back. Yeah. That, you know, this was whatever they're saying. Um, I did this today for, I was coaching groups of PLCs. They were coming in one at a time and, and, and I was, they were sharing ideas. I could tell they're a little skeptical of me. They had never met me before and all they were sharing ideas. And I was saying, yeah. And I was repeating them right back and you could see them smile. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's kind of a, um, something I try to do when I'm first meeting people and building relationships. Also, one more thing I listen for 
So one of the most powerful things, and I know you know this, and I know the people listening know this too, one of the most powerful things a coach needs to have is a skill of listening, mm-hmm. much more than talking. And so I'm, so I listen for what's important to people. So I'm meeting them, they're talking, talking, talking. And 99% of the time, people don't say what's important to them. It's between their words. It's how they're talking about things. Sometimes it's what they're not saying. Um, but that's one thing that I'm listening for. Can you give me an example of that? Um, oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay, this is a good one. Um, I, um, uh, uh, sometimes when I'm talking to teachers, I'm meeting with them, they, they'll go off on a tangent about their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their kids. Oh, my kids. And I was hearing some teachers talk today about like my kids graduating. Oh, look at a cap and gown. Mm-hmm. And I will, you know, we're here to talk about uh, instruction, right? And there they are talking about their kid. If someone's bringing up their kid, I'm like, family is important to them. Mm-hmm. And so I'll find a way to bring that up. It sounds like family is really important to you. Mm-hmm. 100% of the time, the light up. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. You know, they, they didn't, it's things that are important to us. They filter into our, our, our talking and we don't even realize it. You know, clearly like mindsets and motivations <laughs> are important to me, right? It's good. It's in everything that I say. So I'm just constantly listening for that. Another, another kind of more schoolish example would be a teacher. Um, oh, oh, this happened yesterday. <laughs> um, one a teacher I've been coaching for a while. She uh, came in and was like m- ex- exhausted and frustrated and mad, and was uncoachable. Like there was no getting down to business. And I was like, okay. So I spent probably ten minutes just listening to her go, you know, go on and on about how these kids don't do this and these. She like totally forgot all of our coaching we'd done in the past. And these kids, they don't listen and they're not learning. And I just kept saying, yeah, you, I said, you sound exhausted. That sounds exhausting. That was my response every time she's going off on another thing. I wasn't correcting her. And I just, because mm-hmm. I got that she's exhausted. And that's the thing that's right there for her. And all this other stuff was just like the smoke right? It just, it, it wasn't the thing that was there when she was exhausted. About five times, I was like, you know, you're exhausted. And there was a turnaround. About the fifth time, she's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she finally, she, she heard that you understood how she was yeah. feeling and you weren't giving approval or dismissing or anything. You were just saying, yeah. this is what I can tell from what you're telling me. I can tell that you're exhausted. Yeah. 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 And being really connected to her. And then she said, like you said, in coaching, she like started bringing up my, I mean, it was full turnaround. I love it. You know, it's so interesting. I, and I'm a parent of a, of a four-year-old and a, well, my, my, well, when this comes out, I will have like a one and a quarter year old, but, <laughs> but um, we're recording it quite early. And so I have an almost one-year-old. She's going to be one on Friday. And so you know, all the parenting stuff that you read, they tell you to do, and something I've been working on with to do with children is exactly those two things that you just shared. And the first thing that, the first time that I heard about, you know, really that um, reflect, like reflecting what people say back on them was whenever I read the um, Stephen Covey book, I had to read it in high school. The seven habits of highly successful yeah, people. Yeah, I guess. it's great. It's iconic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, everybody's seen it. Everybody knows about it. It's, I mean, it's been around forever. 
and I had to read in college for some class. I don't know what it was, but maybe yeah. surviving the world class. I don't know. And <laughs> that was where I, I picked that up. And then now all of the parenting stuff, it's all about, you know, re, re, like responding, reflecting what your child has said and naming their emotions listening to what they say and you're not you're not saying it's okay you're not saying that the way they're acting is okay you're saying you can tell how they feel mm -hmm. validating the feeling yes and so i love that you translated that into coaching work it's so important to do that because teachers are people too and children yeah. are people we're all people we just have different levels of experience with things <laughs> exactly we're different sizes uh, yes. we, got big people, we got small people yeah right yeah so can you describe what a dialogue might sound like in this process so we could hear a little bit about it? Sure. Um, and a dialogue in just transformational coaching in general? Yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. Sure. So um, I'll share, gosh, um, uh, a while back I was coaching a teacher that was not making progress. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was going in and she, uh, I was modeling for her. I was co-planning. I was co-teaching, right? I was doing all the things that coaches do with teachers to help them get better. And she was, she seemed to be absorbing it. Mm -hmm. And then I'd come back the next week and she had made no progress. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so what I did, I sat down with her and I said, and I leveled with her and I said, look, um, it feels like we're having the same conversation again. And um, I'd like to do something different with you. And she's like, okay, right. And this is based on a really strong relationship, right? Um, and I said, why do you, uh, wait, hold on, I have to think about what I said. Uh, I said, I said, what is going through your head when you are, it was, it was classroom management was her biggest issue. Okay. Um, she had great lesson ideas, but the execution was terrible because the kids were out of control. I'm so glad and, you chose this example, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> it is so important and so relevant. Yeah. yeah, no, you can't, you can't teach anything if right. like it's chaos, right? <laughs> so, um, and I, I said, why, what is going through your head when you're giving because I was working with her and like giving directions in a specific way. When you're, when you're giving directions, she's like, I don't know, my mind just goes crazy. It just goes, and I don't, I, I can't think straight. And I just mix up my words and I can't do it. I'm like, okay, got it. I said, what, what's the feeling behind it? What are you feeling? I feel, I feel, um, what did she say? It's just a couple years ago. Um, it was like, a, like a little stressed out. <laughs> she's anxious. Mm -hmm. And she's worried, she's fearful. It's really fear that, she, you know, the kids, you know, I said, oh, I said, okay, sorry, I'm so good And I said, why do you feel that way? And she's like, I'm afraid the kids won't do what I want them to do. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I got that. Well, why do you think the kids won't do what you want them to do? And then she had to think about it for a while. And we got through, forgive me, there's a couple other steps of, it was me, me literally just being like, why? Why? Yeah, digging. Mm -hmm. digging, digging and finally the final why she teared up and she said because I'm not good enough that was it that was the the end and I know when someone gets there we, we've hit mm -hmm. we've hit the, the source of it and she cried and it was so good <laughs> it was so good you know, and it was a release for her. And I was like, I said, okay, I got that. And I, and I, uh, and, and, you know, one thing I want to share with people is 
if someone's sharing, I'm not good enough with you, there, there's nothing to fix. There's nothing to fix. I, I, don't, I, need to fi I don't need to fix you. I don't need to tell you that you are good enough. No, but you are. It doesn't, um, it's what I call putting icing on a mud pie. You don't, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's like, okay, I got, you want to get their communication. I got that you think that you're not good enough. And I sent her home with some uh, exercises and she came back a new woman. She looked different. What were the exercises that you sent? Oh gosh. Oh, this is years ago. Um, I don't know if I, honestly, I don't know if I can remember. Were they exercises for her, like to change her thinking? Were they? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was like reflection stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. For her to yeah. reflect on her belief about herself or for her to reflect on her management or both? Her belief on herself. Okay. Yeah. It was just a belief on herself. And it ha I had her taking actions that were in line with actually being good enough, like doing stuff, right? Like, huh, like, huh, if I'm not acting in line with, I'm not good enough, that's how our actions work. We have a belief and then we have a behavior that comes from that belief, right? Huh, like if I, let me just try on, what if I am good enough? Like what could happen? Okay, what would I do? If what I was good enough, what would I do? What would it be? Yeah. Uh -huh. Took up one of her hobbies. I forgot what she took out, like knitting or I don't know, some, some hobby that she mm -hmm. had long lost, forgotten. And what's interesting is it improved her marriage too. And she, she said, my husband said, I'm back to the woman that he married. Wow. Um, I was like, great. Okay, great. And she was smiling. I, she was like scowly a lot. Yeah. And she was smiling and her, it was after that I could, I could like, coach her and she could take the coaching because it wasn't getting filtered through I'm not good enough can't do that anyway I'm not good enough it's not going to make any difference exactly. I'm not good enough mm -hmm. yep 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 wow that's fascinating yeah. Amazing. Yeah. so what does the coaching cycle look like using transformational coaching so I mean I know like in a traditional coaching cycle you know we set goals we yeah. do some classroom work we yeah. provide feedback have reflective conversation what really yeah. sets this process apart you know what is it that coaches need to know about this cycle it's actually very similar to a traditional coaching cycle you would think of right you're setting goals exactly right you're going into the classroom if you're observing give, giving feedback that's all the same what's different is what happens after uh the observation the during the coaching conversation mm -hmm. um it's you, you, I separate into three buckets. Does the teacher need support in more knowledge, like content knowledge? Do they need support in skills, how to teach, mm -hmm. or is it, do they need support in mindsets? Okay. I love that. Yeah. So I just, that's, that's, yeah, it's, it's, and you could like, honestly put that into gym nights, <laughs> coaching, right. cycle. coaching cycle. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just, but separating those when you're filtering down and you're problem solving, huh? what's going on here. And it's really great if you can do that with the teacher too. Mm -hmm. I love that because we do really well addressing content and skills. Yes. yes. We so often neglect the mindset and that is the biggest issue. And I can think of specific teachers who um, sometimes I would do work around mindset, but not maybe deliberately. Whenever I started mm -hmm. out coaching, I didn't really know how to address that because it was like yeah. wow we are speaking different languages here you are seeing things in a completely different way I am not sure where you're coming from with this and it was hard for me to figure out to be comfortable having that dialogue with teachers I, yeah. I also feel like it can be scary because you're like am I going to veer into the role of a counselor here 
right well right right and it's it's you know coaches I've I've heard coaches complain I feel like a therapist this year (laughs) and it's right and it does kind of feel like a thin line Mm -hmm. and I definitely don't coach people to become therapists and there is important mindset stuff we need to learn to address in a way that's not therapy right Yes. We're not going to get into all the trauma or any of the stuff that caused this. We're just talking about how does this impact you and the way that you, you do your work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I love that you said that because it's spot on in terms of like, you know, you were great at, at coaching the content, right. And the skills and the knowledge. And then it's like, ah, like you could sense that right. there was something off, but how do I even address it? Right. And that's, right. it was like a barrier. Right. Right. And that takes training. Mm-hmm. It does. It really, and it takes thoughtfulness about, well, your own mindsets as well. I think. Yes. Oh, hundred percent. You can't coach mindsets until you've addressed your own. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. So is that really, I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask you is how does this look different from many of the coaching approaches you've seen? Is that really what encapsulates that? Yeah. You've got to do the work first. No, you hit the, the nail on the head. You, it's, it's coaches have to do the work first. And if I have a coach that finds me and wants to do my work and wants a quick fix, like where's the PDFs? <laughs> right. I, you know, I have PDFs, but that's not the thing that has you be transformational. Mm-hmm. It's you doing the work first and it's, it's not quick. So how do you go about doing that? Oh, lots of things. So, you know, one of the things that I, <laughs> um, One of the things that I do is I coach coaches on um, helping to differentiate for different types of teachers. And I have something called levels of willingness. Mm -hmm. So it's, we talk about skill, but we don't address a a will a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's right. So, right. So it's like, oh, I'm going to help you get better at your skill, get better at teaching, but how willing are they to do that? Right. One, we want to differentiate for their will, right. How willing they are to change. And then, um, and learn all those strategies. And then how do we build trust? And I have a whole thing on like, look, we got to break down trust. We got to understand the components. I was just talking to a coach today about this. Like, we can't just say, well, uh, you know, second grade needs to just trust each other more. It's like, how do we intentionally build trust? Well, it has components to it and different people have researched it. And one of the things I love is I kind of mesh uh, Stephen M. R. Covey. He has a book, Speed of Trust, which I love, love, love. And Brene Brown has a model for trust. And I think they're both great, you know? And it's like, neither's right and wrong, but it's like, hey, we've got to build trust with our teachers, right? With our admin. And there's a way to do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I, I could keep going. There's, there's lots of things that I do. It's not a simple answer, but it's, um, you know, it's addressing mindsets. It's knowing what fixed mindset and growth mindset looks like in adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most powerful things that I do as coaches is I call it unpacking our complaints. Mm-hmm. So what people don't realize is our complaints have gold in them. It has buried in there yeah. what's important to us. Yes, we talk, I talk about that a lot, turning complaints into like their cries for help. Like we just we yes. just have to figure out what they're what they're asking. Yes. Yeah. I love that you do work around complaints. I've never met anyone else that does work with complaints. Yeah. Usually people try to get them out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Barkley also talked about this. On this podcast, actually, we talked, he was talking about um coaching resistance. And mm-hmm. he said something about he called he didn't call it complaints, but he called it 
I don't remember what he said, but there was a cute little phrase that he used and it basically made the same thing, turning complaints into like your next, like, this is what we need to do. This is how we can work together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I really, I I go deep into, like, I have my coaches Mm -hmm. go deep into why do I have that complaint? Like, what about me Mm -hmm. is buried in that complaint, typically about other people. Yes. (laughs) If I'm complaining you, like, you never blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, what about, what does that say about me? And that takes, that takes some work, right? And some partnership with the coach to do. And that is, um, I teach people how to reframe in a really powerful way. Reframing is not toxic positivity. And I always say them together because I think people think like it, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, it's too shall pass. And it's like, no, no. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) Having a different perspective or looking at something from a different angle and using that to find an opportunity is not the same thing as saying, oh, it's fine. Right, right, right. Or it is, I I can't tell you how many times I hear, but it's okay. People will tell me terrible things, but it's fine. And I'm like, it's not fine. (laughs) It's not fine. Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah, so reframing in a really powerful way. is something that I do with people. What else do I do? Um, helping co- I coach coaches on really going through those steps. Like we were talking about that process of figuring out what do teachers need, knowledge, skills, or mindsets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then addressing those mindsets with there's a wide range of strategies to address mindsets. Um, and then one of the most powerful things I do is I help coaches reconcile their priorities with their district's priorities, their school leaders' priorities, and their teachers' priorities. And what people don't realize is we don't have just one set of priorities. I don't have one set of priorities and you don't have one set of priorities. We actually have two. We have the things that we say is important to us. Mm-hmm. And then we have hidden priorities that we don't mm-hmm. say, but it impacts our behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's hidden from us too. We like, we're like, I don't know why that happened. I don't know why I can't lose weight. <laughs> Um, and so there's actually, there's not those, those four levels of priorities. Are and so I work with coaches on like, how do you sort out all these different people's priorities? And I've been hearing that distinction has really been powerful with my burning out teachers mm-hmm. this year. Um, that, oh, I'm going to quit. My district doesn't care about me. Right. There's all this stuff. And I'm like, hold on, <laughs> hold yeah. on, let's look at your priorities. And we talk it through that way. That's great. I love all of those things. It just seems like you're really getting at the heart of, of everything that, that keeps us from being the coach or the teacher that we want to be. Yes. Yes. Limiting beliefs. Yes, absolutely. So what do you do when you are not seeing growth or change in the classroom? Because you mentioned, you know, earlier, you like that classroom where you, you did the modeling, you did the co-teaching, you did the co-planning, you did all the stuff and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, it's still, we're still here. Just like I, if I never came in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so one thing that it triggers in me is that they, I'm not addressing a knowledge, skill, or mindset thing. Mm -hmm. Typically, if I'm going over and over again, and I'm not seeing progress, it's probably a mindset issue. Mm -hmm. 99% of the time. Uh, Once in a while, it's like an odd skill thing that I just didn't figure out. Like, oh, you're really uncomfortable using Google Sheets or something. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't consider that that would be a thing, right? And I'll uncover that. Um, but most of the time it's a mindset thing. So um, I'm going in. So co-planning and co-teaching generally is in the skill realm. Mm-hmm. 
right? Um, anytime I send someone a video, like watch this video of this training, typically that's in the knowledge realm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing a lot of that, I'm hitting knowledge and skills a lot. Having reflective conversations, typically that's in the mindset realm. So whenever you start out coaching a teacher, do you kind of have an idea of the approach that you're going to start with, or do you kind of feel things out and over and just make adjustments over time? You know, how does that come about? Oh gosh, it, I make adjustments. I'm a big, like when I meet someone, I feel them out when I meet different groups. Um, I had to teach the same skill four times today and I taught it in four different ways today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause it was like, I met the group and it was different grade levels. And I was like, Oh, like this great. And I helped them out. And some of them were avoiding eye contact and staring at their computers. And some of them were super engaged. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm very much, I modify, but it takes, I call it like my little feelers. I, I, when I meet someone, I have my little feelers out for them. Like what's their body language? What are they, are they nodding? Are they looking away? Are they uh, laughing when I make a joke? Like I try to kind of be lighthearted and see like, are they connected? Are they distracted? Um, And I go from there. And I do have a structure depending on why I'm working with teachers or coaches. So it looked like during the pandemic, it looked like a lot of coaching menus, for example. Okay. <laughs> so we kind of started there. We needed a place to start and then we moved into a lot of, there's a lot of decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you know, they're yeah. like, what can you do anyway? What do you do? And at least that, that menu was like a hard piece. This is what we can do. Let's yeah. choose a thing. Like, let's yeah. just put your finger on one of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's like, sometimes I have this big broad, like just work with these teachers, this general thing. And then sometimes it's like, I put you with this teacher for the specific reason, and I need you to produce a result. Right. Right. And when right. I, when I have that situation, I will sit down. I want to make sure that they're connected with me and trust me. Right. So I'm building trust immediately. And then I'll say to them, look, what I'm committed to, and I'll share my commitment immediately, what I'm committed to is that this is relevant and this helps you with what's important to you. And what I'm committed to also is, I need, you know, and I'll say the thing why I'm there, right? Like helping your students like improve their achievement or whatever it is. And so I want them to get like, look, I'm here with you and not to make you compliant with something because I am not into compliance. And as much as I can, I want to get engagement and ownership. I like the way you're wording that I'm committed to supporting you and what's important to you. And I'm also committed to this thing that I have to be here to do, or else I would not be in this room. Like, this is what I was directed to do here. This is why I'm here, but it's a better way to say it. Um, A lot of people struggle with having that dialogue with, I was told to come here and I was told to help you because your kids are not reading. (laughs) Right. Right. And that creates such a compliant um, dynamic. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like void of human connection. Like I was told I'm being compliant, right? Like I was told to do something. I'm going to do it. Now you have to do what I say. There's, there's no like even consent. if you think about it. Right. They're just checking boxes and it it can make like, Oh, you're just here to check the box. And and once I check the box, you'll leave. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had, um, you know, and we were talking about resistance. You mentioned resistance earlier. There's different forms of resistance and I'm actually creating a document on like the nine different kinds of resistance. It's really interesting. So an unusual one that would surprise people is confusion. Confusion is a form of resistance many times. I, I'm not going to like blanket statements. Sometimes people are actually like 
unclear about something, right? And I'm not dismissing that the, you know, not being clear about something is always resistance, but if someone's continually confused, uh-huh. you know, they're resisting something about the situation. And I had a teacher that was regularly <laughs> confused. Yeah. <laughs> who I was he was confused why I was there he was he just was confused like confused. I'm gonna I'm putting it in quotes for people listening he was confused I love my fourth coaching I, I leveled him I closed the door and I was like look buddy <laughs> and we had a real conversation about compliance interesting I said I don't want you to be compliant I'm not here for that I'm here to help you and what you think is important and I said, I, and I just, I was really honest with them about like, I want you to have ownership of what's happening here. And I want you to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was great. I've never seen such a tough case of, of confusion before. Interesting. Yeah. I, was, I, I have seen that before too. Lots of, and what is it that you're, what are we, what are you going to do? I don't, but why, what is happening? Yeah. Lots, that's true. I've seen that frequently, but not frequently, but frequently enough to make it, um, you know, to give it a name. <laughs> yes yes and that's, that's just a form of resistance mm-hmm. it's wild you know there's those other forms uh, but I mean I was flying in to his city to meet wow. with him yeah it was like, yeah like no we, we got it we can't we don't have time for this nonsense we have got yeah. to have a conversation yeah. about the results yeah yeah right so it's, you know and it wasn't void of of connection after that conversation I was really yeah. committed I, I didn't say this to him but in my mind I was committed to creating connection with him Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what mm-hmm. is the outcome of coaching this way? If you could describe some of the results that you've seen, that would, I mean, yeah. talked a little bit about that as we've gone through this um, dialogue, but if you can share some of that, that would be really great. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love sharing these, but the results of my coach, because I, I specialize, yeah, I coach teachers and I coach coaches and, you know, I kind of coach everyone in the building, mm-hmm. but coaches are my people, right? Some of the results that I have um, seen my coaches produce um, during the pandemic, for example, pandemic happens, teachers are like, ah, like I can't get coached. I don't know what I'm doing, right? There's overwhelm, frustration, exhaustion, confusion, right? And um, my, I was coaching coaches at the time and they, and I was teaching them certain strategies and they had teachers that were, one coach describes a teacher that she was the tech teacher. And this was at the beginning of the pandemic or tech coach, sorry. Tech coaches were invaluable at the yeah, beginning yeah. of the pandemic. They, right? And there was this teacher that would not talk to her, would not. And he would, he would, she described it as, he would come out of his room, see her at the end of the hallway, turn around and go back in his room. Avoiding <laughs> her. And she used some strategies that I taught her and he started showing up at her door. Ah. Like that is, you know, that's, that's a 180, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of like, resistant behaviors disappearing almost overnight mm-hmm. and teachers being very willing to be coachable. Um, I also had coaches developing really great relationships with their bosses, with the principals. And so creating a part, a powerful partnership with them where there was barely any at all. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot during the pandemic, at least it was a lot of like developing relationships and, and melting those walls those barriers so that there can be like a real difference can be made that's awesome yeah so if coaches are hearing all this and they're like okay i need to start doing some of this if they want to start using a transformational coaching process with teachers at their school what could they do first um 
work on themselves. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, it's, I, I don't tell anyone to do something that they haven't done themselves. So, so do transformational work yourself. Um, and there's, you know, resources. I, I mean, I have my, I have a, a membership with kind of modules. Um, I, I know Elena Aguilar does some transformational work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's resources out there, but do, do your own mindset work. That's what I would say. Oh, great. That's a great way to start. I feel like we, <laughs> that's something we should all kind of guide ourselves through maybe like once a year or once every two months or something. Yeah. Really yeah. Reflect on our thinking. Yeah. And you know, I also say every coach needs a coach. Yes. Absolutely. That's actually the tagline of this podcast. Oh, it's actually every coach deserves a coach. Every coach and every coach uh, does too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, totally. Right. And it's like, look, if, if you were a teacher that got a coaching job and got no coaching, and I'm, I'm sure the people listening to this podcast are looking for coaching training right but if you got no coaching training you're like a lead teacher but you can't call yourself a coach without actual coaching training mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's so hard to piece it together you're trying to build the plane as you fly it yes whenever you get those positions and you're just yes. like something it is it is really challenging to to be the person that, that you walk in and teachers look at you and they have thoughts about you Yes. And you don't yes. know what those thoughts are oh, yet. Yeah, totally. They have so many assumptions. They have totally. assumptions about what your job is. And sometimes you're not even totally sure what your job is because your job description wasn't really that great. So mm-hmm. everything's kind of hazy. Everything's hazy. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of my coaches struggle with. It's like even advocating to get into classrooms, Yeah. you know, and they get pulled to do 20 million things. Yeah. And it's like, no, I just. You just want to be in classrooms with teachers. Yeah. Right. How do you define that? How do you build relationships and trust all building the plane as you fly it? I don't know why this jumped out of my head to share, but like distinguishing a consultant versus a coach. Yeah. A consultant is basically someone that is the expert and I'm going to go tell my expertise to you. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of coaches be consultants mm-hmm. um, instead of coach, right? A coach is actually leading someone through a thinking process and many times leads them through for them to discover the answer. Mm-hmm. And that requires questioning skills. That requires listening skills, right? And you can't listen accurately until you've done the work on your own mindset. So, so you can hear, for example, I still have my own, I'm not good enough. I just hear it and it doesn't impact my coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that was how I was introduced actually as a, as a brand new coach, the principal said, um, well, there were two of us who were brand new, a math and science coach and a literacy coach. That was me. And she said, and here we have our experts in math and science and literacy. And yes. probably like, oh, great. Another expert. That's what we wanted. <laughs> right, right. It doesn't empower teachers to just have some kind of expert. And that's, mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's wild the the um the context the context the situation that a lot of time you're right I'm sure you were excellent in the classroom with literacy right like you're excellent at teaching literacy and you get this job coaching right and you bring that expertise with you and it's like now I'm going to use all like what I view coaches as as I have all this amazing content knowledge but I'm not going to just give it to you. It's I'm going to learn how to ask questions and lead you to the answer. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So, okay. If people want to learn more about all of this, because there's so much information, but I feel like you were able to like introduce a lot of it to us, but (laughs) I'm sure people really want to dig in. Uh, How can people find you online or in the real world, wherever to learn more about it? Yes. Um, My uh, website is Mm thewholeeducator.com. And um, on that website is my membership. And um, so you can, so, I mean, the main thing is you can go on my website and you'll find um, some, I don't know, I still have some videos up and you can, on Instagram, you can find me at the whole educator as well. There's lots of posts that are useful. Um, I have a free ebook you can uh, download as well as, um, as a free ebook. I feel like there was something else. I don't remember now. Uh, but the free ebook's really great. It's 17 coaching tips, and they all have like really great explanations. Um, and then my membership, which is um, you can find it. Oh my gosh, I guess you can find it on my website under programs. And it's um, kind of you join and you get self-recorded, uh, self-paced modules that are recorded and um, coaching from me. And so I think it's a great combination of your learning stuff, practicing it. And then also getting some guidance, which is, again, what I believe coaches <laughs> need support in. You should never just be given a book and said go, right? right? Every coach deserves a coach. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Yes. Thank you for having me. This was great. I enjoyed that conversation with Becca so much, and I hope that you did too. I feel like I got a lot out of it, a really firm understanding about transformational coaching and some of the first steps to take. I hope that you are able to apply those in your own work. There are a few other episodes that I referred to during this conversation that I would love to share with you. That's episode 16, Understanding the Reasons for Resistance, where I share certain reasons that that teachers may be resistant to your support. Episode 28 is Coaching for Equity with Elena Aguilar. She is another person in this um, in this sort of corner of coaching that talks about transformational coaching. So she has a few books about, about, it, about it and you can listen to a podcast episode with her uh, in episode 28. And episode 55 with Steve Barkley, we talk about how to coach through resistance, what you can do, and he shares a few strategies that could be really helpful. I also have a handy dandy uh, free download for you. It's a coaching menu. Becca talked about coaching menus and how you can use them to kind of, you know, really make things concrete and to support teachers and understanding what it is that you're there to do. You can get that at buzzingwithmissme.com slash episode 115. The next episode that I'm going to share with you is, I'm really excited about it. It's episode 116. We're going to take a close look at some of the challenges that coaches have, especially those that revolve around the coach principal relationship. And we're going to figure out how we can proactively set up an agreement to make coaching roles very clear. That episode is going to be with Lindsay Deacon and Angela Harkness, who are the, op- the authors of the EduCoach Survival Guide. So definitely check back next week for that episode. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.